0: Bernice Abbott is remembered as one of the most independent, uh, determined, and respected photographers of of the 20th century, notes the International Hall of Fame of Photographers. She was born in Springfield, Ohio in 1898. She enrolled at Ohio State University, but soon quit and moved to New York where she worked as a waitress. Pursuing her dreams of becoming at first a sculptor, she bought a one-way ticket to Paris, where she fortuitously met Man Ray, the the famous portrait photographer. He happened to need a, a darkroom assistant. She was looking for a job, and thus began Abbott's photography career. This week I came across Bernice Abbott's work and found it as remarkable as Edward Weston's. You'll find one of Abbott's photographs on your bulletin cover. Do you know what that is? Do you know what image that Abbott captured? In the month of June, our theme is the gift of wonder, and we are reflecting on how our senses can grant us access to God. So far, we've considered the wonder of taste in that we each have between two to 4,000 taste buds, and each taste bud has between 10 to 50 sensory cells that, that have about 10 different levels of taste. If you tally it all up, we can taste up to 100,000 different flavors. So the psalmist charges us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Last Sunday, we focused on the, on the wonder of sound and on the day of Pentecost that God's spirit passed over and through the disciples. We also discussed that it is through the sound of music, as the psalmist teaches, that we can praise God. This morning, we turn to the wonder of light and sight, and we turn to John's Gospel. As you know, John's Gospel records events that are not necessarily found in the other three Gospels. And Jesus performs what are called signs that are effectively miracles. In John's Gospel, there are seven of these signs. Jesus turns, for example, water into wine. He heals a Galilean official's son and an invalid. He feeds 5,000. He walks on water. He heals a blind beggar and raises Lazarus from the dead. Our passage records Jesus' sixth sign, and a lens that can help us interpret it is to note right before the passage that Chris read, Jesus reminds his disciples that he has come to be the light of the world. What does that mean? To answer that question, it's helpful to first remind ourselves what light is exactly. Do you know what light is? Jennifer Goe helpfully explains in her wonderful book, Making Space, that light is a form of energy. It's not matter. It's actually electromagnetic radiation. It's it's a kind of energy that's found all around us. For example, it's transmitted by radios and and x-ray machines and microwaves. So to embrace Jesus' metaphor from a scientific perspective, to be understood as the light of the world means, first of all, to know that that energy, that light, is all around us. And Jesus' light, this energy, appears in our passage as we read that Jesus was walking along a road and saw a man blind from birth. He spits on the ground, makes mud, places this mud over the man's eyes, tells him to go wash it off in a pool, and suddenly the man can see. If asked to name one of my favorite authors, Annie Dillard would be on the top of my list. I particularly enjoy Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. She won the Pulitzer Prize for that when she was 29. I reread portions of it this week and came across this fascinating description of what people felt and saw after they had the very first cataract surgeries In the 1950s, Dillard notes, in general, the newly sighted see the world as a dazzle of color patches. They are pleased by the sensation of color and and learn to name the colors, but the rest of it is difficult. They soon learn those color patches are, are a chair or a table, a fence. Sight enables us to navigate our world, but it's often difficult for the newly sighted to orient themselves. On the other hand, note Stiller, newly sighted people teach us how often our own vision is dull. To one patient a human hand was something bright and then with whole. A 22-year-old girl was so dazzled by the world's brightness, she kept her eyes shut for two weeks. When she opened her eyes, astonishment covered her features, and she said, Oh God, how beautiful. Have you known someone who had his or her sight restored? Have you ever been dazzled by the light, perhaps during a glorious Lake Michigan sunset, and thought, oh God, how beautiful? Then you can imagine how this man felt. After the mud had been washed off his eyes, he would have seen, for example, an olive grove for the first time, the glimmering Mediterranean light on its twisted branches and smooth fruit. He would have seen white sheep roaming over green grass, two distinct color patches. He would have seen his parents' face for the first time, wispy gray hair creases on their foreheads and tears running down their cheeks. Which leads us to this question, how did this come about? What is the meaning of this sign? What happened? Gro explains that we can see light because of light-sensing neurons called photoreceptors that line the retina in the back of our eye. Photoreceptors receive their light-sensing properties first because of molecules that are called photopigments. And they're sort of like paint. They reflect the light of of some wavelengths, but absorb others. They also act as sort of a light switch. When light reaches them, they flip on. They also change shape as light reaches them, these photopigments. And is that not truly a wonder? Which brings us back to Bernice Abbott's photograph. Do you know what she captured? It's an image of light moving through space, in particular a prism that Abbott had constructed. Notice the light source is at the bottom of the photograph with six beams shooting upwards. In an article about this iconic photograph, Abbott explained her goal was to convey how multiple beams from a light source change direction when they go into a prism and then emerge. You can also see how light changes density and shape. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. What does that mean? We know, first of all, that light is energy. It's not matter. We know that God created us with the ability to see this energy and this light with our photoreceptors and our photopigments that turn off and on and change shape. We know, as Abbott's photograph so beautifully renders, that light is not static, but it can change density. It can change direction. To sum up the meaning, the purpose, even the metaphor of light, I thought this week, one way to think of light is that it creates change. And in the ninth chapter of John's gospel, the light of the world changes everyone around him. First, Jesus changes a blind, a blind man's life. And then as we read farther, we note the news of this miracle rattles the Pharisees. They demand to interrogate him. What they discover, first of all, is Jesus performed this sign, this miracle on the Sabbath, which further inflames them, because this kind of work was forbidden on the Sabbath, so they called Jesus a sinner. The Pharisees demand to talk to witnesses, namely the man's parents, The Pharisees ask, is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know this is our son, they answer. We know he was born blind. But how he can see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Go ask him. So the Pharisees summon the man who has been born blind. Give glory to God by telling us the truth, they say. We know he is a sinner. And the man replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. But what I do know, I was blind, but now I see. They asked him, how did he open your eyes? I've already told you. Do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciple? Professor Alice McKenzie helpfully observes how the Pharisees come into this story assuming that they could see that the man was blind. They saw that their lives and their stipulations were a path to life. Therefore, healings could not take place on the Sabbath. They saw that the man had been born blind, that he was a sinner and could teach them nothing. But as John's Gospel reveals, light changes everything. And it offers its readers this sign and insight. Whenever we experience the light of the world, as the blind man and his parents, the Pharisees and the disciples did that day, we experience and and see our world and our lives, and God, in a new way. Maria Popova curates a remarkable website called Brain Pickings, where she passes along wisdom and observations that she has gleaned over time. She notes in one blog post how many legendary artists can trace their creative path to the single moment of revelation in which they were suddenly able to see these invisible dimensions of the world. For the musician Patti Smith, that revelation was a glimpse of a swan when she was a little girl. For author Virginia Woolf, it was a gardening epiphany she had. For for author Pablo Neruda, it was a a hand through a fence when he was a child. For Albert Einstein, it was when he held a compass for the first time. The author James Baldwin tells this story. He says, I remember standing on a street corner with a friend who was a painter. And he pointed down and said, look, and I looked, and all I saw on the pavement was water. And my friend said, look again, which I did, and suddenly I saw oil on the water and the city reflected in that puddle. It was a great revelation to me, says James Baldwin. I can't explain it. He taught me how to see. One of the phrases I have been known to say Is what you see is what you get. I've offered that phrase when involved, for example, in interviewing candidates for a job posting. If, for example, a candidate arrives late for an interview, I might say to those involved in the hiring process, What you see is what you get. But also, if a candidate is on point and and answers the question and makes a great impression, what you see. Is what you get. But this week I realized there is an entirely different way to understand that phrase. What you see is what you get. Namely, if we don't keep our eyes open, there is so much that we miss. Namely, in God's good and marvelous creation. Because if you're like me, all too often, we walk right back the blooming peonies in a neighbor's garden. The brown eyes of someone we love. All too often, we are like the Pharisees, believing for misguided reasons that we have seen everything there is to see, and our minds and our imaginations are closed to new ideas, and to revelation. But the good news John's gospel proclaims this morning is light changes everything. Light restores. It reveals. It illuminates. It inspires. The light of the world shows us the way. What you see is what you get. So may we all this month, I pray, get the gift of wonder that sight extends to each one of us. And may we this month join our voices with a blind man and say, I was blind, but now I see.